Greetings, brethren. Welcome to day two of the Feast of Tabernacles, 2023. The beginning of the millennium. And what will we do? Now, yesterday, we saw that God's plan is contained in the kingdom. The meaning of the kingdom, the meaning of everything about it, and it's called in the New Testament, the mystery of the kingdom of God, which Jesus came to bring to his disciples the understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And we have put together in a book all the things that are in the Bible explaining about God's plan for mankind. Because we have God the Father and Jesus Christ. Then we have the angelic realm. And then we have the realm of Satan, the devil, and the demons. And then we have everything concerning the earth. And then everything concerning mankind and what he has done and how he has done it under the influence of Satan the devil and how that has led to the first coming of Christ who was the Lord God of the Old Testament and he tabernacled among us. And that was a type of God living with his people. And as we will see as we go through this Feast of Tabernacles, that's also the whole meaning of the Feast of Tabernacles. Living with God as his sons and daughters of God and saving the world. So let's begin and let's see what God says. Let's come to Isaiah 46, Isaiah 46, and then we will look at what the beginning of the millennium will be like. Isaiah 46, and let's begin here in verse 9. Remember the former things of the old. Now, that's the Old Testament, and everything that is there. We're to remember that and understand the lessons and learn the truth and then add to it the gospel and then add to it the epistles of Paul and then the crowning capstone of the whole plan of God, the book of Revelation and how it's all going to come about. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, and there is none besides me. Now remember, the Hebrew word for God is Elohim, and yet it also speaks in the singular. Because whatever the Lord God of the Old Testament brings, it also comes from the Most High, who is noted in in the Old Testament, as well as 
the Lord God. Okay. Now notice what he says here. There is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that were not yet done, saying, now listen to this. Anybody out there think they can go against God? The answer is, no, you can't. You will think you can for a while, but you really can't. See, listen to this. My counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. Now, is there anyone going to stop God from doing that? Has Satan, the devil, and the angels stopped God from doing that? No. The will of God is going to be done. Just like we saw yesterday in the prayer, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Now, if God says it, it's as good as done, though it may be centuries before it's finished. So he says, calling the bird of prey from the east. Now, we'll see that in Revelation 19 in just a little bit. The man of my counsel from a far country. Now, he's also talking about Cyrus in chapters in these chapters in in Isaiah. Yea, I have spoken. Now think about this for a minute. God is not like a man. Sometimes men just bloviate and don't mean it. But notice what God says about what he says. I have spoken, I will also bring it to pass. He will cause everything to work out exactly as he prophesied and proposed. Continuing, I have proposed it. That's the whole plan of God. I will also do it. Now, that's something. See? That's why we can have faith in God, because whatever he says is truth. And whatever he says, he will do. Whether for blessing or whether for cursing. Let's read on. Hearken to me, you stubborn-hearted, who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. And that's what he's going to do when Christ comes to the earth. He's going to bring his righteousness, his truth, his way. Okay? It shall not be far off. My salvation shall not be delayed. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. And as we will see, the whole thing about God's plan hinges around Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob and Israel and then Abraham and the church. 
Now, let's continue on here. Let's come to Revelation 19, and let's see how Christ and his saints return to the earth and what is going to happen. It's going to be quite a thing. This earth is going to have to be completely rebuilt. Now, we'll see all of that in just a minute. Now, let's pick it up here in verse 11. Now, we've gone through Pentecost and everything that takes place on the day of Pentecost and how we're there over four months because we need to learn new language. We need to learn what we're going to do. We need to learn where we're going to go. We need to know who is going to be the one that we follow because there are a lot of people ahead of us in the kingdom of God, okay? And God has a place for every one, see? Now, verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it, who is called faithful and true. And in righteousness like we just read in Isaiah, my righteousness is near. Does he judge and make war? And we will see what happens to war in a little bit. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he has a name written that no one knows except himself. And he was clothed with a garment dipped in blood. And his name is the Word of God. Now, where do we find that in one of the Gospels? Right in the very first verse of John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? And the armies in heaven were following him. Now, who's that? That's all the saints. We're going to learn what we're going to do. We're all going to be on white horses. We're going to come back to this earth, and we're going to start straightening out the earth according to the commands and the plan of God. They were following him on white horses, and they were clothed with fine linen, white and pure. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. All God has to do is speak it. And we'll see what happens in Zechariah 14, what he does. That with it he might smite the nations, and he shall shepherd them with a, an iron rod, and he treads out the winepress of the fury and the wrath of Almighty God. Okay. And he has on his garment and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings. Because we're going to see, we're going to be priests and kings and rule under Christ. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, gather yourselves together to the supper of the great God. And what a supper that is. So you see, whenever there's a great disaster, God always also cleans it up. 
So this is what he's doing here. Verse 18, so that you, that's all, all the birds of heaven, may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of chief captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, the flesh of all, free and bond, small and great. And now then, God takes care of the whole problem, beginning with eliminating the beast and the false prophet. So he has a special thing for them. Verse 19, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war with him who sits on the horse and with his army. And the beast was taken, probably by an angel, and with him the false prophet who worked miracles in his presence, by which he had deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Those two were cast alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. So that's how God is going to start taking care of the problems of this world. And the rest were killed by the sword of him who sits on the horse, even the sword that goes out of his mouth, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Okay? Now then, chapter 20. Now then, God has to deal with the source of sin. You can't bring in everlasting righteousness unless you get rid of the author of sin and lies and hatred against God. So chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel descending from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. Now, we covered part of this in detail on the Day of Atonement. Okay? And he took hold of the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Then he cast him into the abyss and locked him up and sealed the abyss over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were fulfilled. So we'll cover this on day seven and day eight. And after that, it is ordained that he be loosed for a short season. Now, here is an overall description of what we are going to do during the millennium. And it's going to be tremendous. Brethren, that's going to be a time that we are going to be the sons and daughters of God. And we are going to help bring the world peace, happiness, and joy, and righteousness, and knowledge of God. Think of that. That's why we're here. That's why we have Sabbath services 
every week because we are preparing for the greatest thing to come upon this earth and we will be an integral part of doing that. So think of that. Now, if you have problems and difficulties, if you have trials and afflictions, put them all in God's hands. Because look at the calling that he has called us to. Verse 4, And I saw thrones. Remember, he told the 12 apostles that they would sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And we have seen how David is going to be king over Israel. And they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. What's going to happen? Judgment. Making decisions. Making things right. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, who did not worship the beast or his image and did not receive the mark in their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now think about how tremendous that that is. Now let's come to Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14, and let's see something very interesting here, because this tells us how Christ is coming down to the earth. That means us with him. Zechariah 14. So here's a prophecy, like we started out, God knows everything from the beginning and the ending, and he's working it all out according to his will. And this tells us a lot. See? And the first lesson that everybody's going to learn is this. You can't fight God because you're never going to win. Zechariah 14. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. We just read that, Revelation 19. And your spoils shall be divided in your midst. Verse 2. For I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. And God says he knows what? The beginning and the ending the first and the last. Okay. And the city shall be taken, the houses plundered, and women raped. Half of the city shall go into exile, and the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And the Lord shall go out. We just read that. Revelation 19. And fight against the nations as when he fought in a day of battle. Now, what did Jesus say to Pilate when he said, 
are you the king of the Jews? And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. But now it's not of this world. So that tells us we're going to fight with Christ. Now notice verse 4. Because here we're all on the sea of glass. Okay? Then Christ says, we're ready to come to the earth. So here we come down from the sea of glass, down to the earth, after the seven last plagues have been poured out. And the armies are still fighting. And here we're coming on our white horses. Christ is leading us. And we're coming down to Jerusalem, down to the Mount of Olives, which is just a little east of Jerusalem. Okay, so let's read it. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall split in two. So powerful, boom! The mountain is going to split in two. Think what that's going to do to all the people that are trying to fight God and the saints. From the east to the west, this way. And make a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of the mountain shall move toward the south. And you shall flee to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountain shall reach unto Azel. And you shall flee as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of, of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with you. See? An amazing thing. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, and it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, neither day or night. Okay? And it shall come to pass that at even time it shall be light, and it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. Now that's to heal the whole earth, starting in Jerusalem. Living waters, also a type of salvation coming to all people. Okay? Half of them shall go toward the eastern sea, and half of them shall go toward the western sea. In summer and winter it shall be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. See, we read in Revelation 19, he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And in that day there shall be one Lord, and his name shall be great, and all the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Rimon south of Jerusalem, and it shall be raised up and remain in its place from Benjamin's gate to the place of the first gate to the corner gate from the tower of Nanuel to the king's winepress. 
and they shall dwell in it, and there shall never again be any more destruction. For Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And, of course, that goes on. We'll see how that's going to be in just a little bit. So this sets the stage for the beginning of the millennium. All right? And this shall be the plague which the Lord shall smite all people who have fought against Jerusalem. So the sword that goes out of the mouth of Jesus, what is it going to do for all of those who come to fight? The greatest secret weapon of all. Let's read it. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand on their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their sockets, and their tongues shall consume away in their mouths. What a fate. Now, that just all falls to the ground. So that's why God calls all the birds of prey to eat up all the flesh and clean up the mess. Okay. And it shall be in that day a great panic from the Lord shall be among them, and they shall each one lay hold of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. Judah shall also fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all nations all around shall be gathered. All the wealth is going to come back to Jerusalem. Gold and silver and clothing in great abundance. Okay? So when God sets in to do it, and he means business, it's going to be quite a thing indeed. No one, no one's going to turn their hand against it. It isn't going to work. And likewise shall be the plague of the horse and the mule and the camel and the donkey and of all the birds which shall be in those camps, it shall be as this plague. Now then, verse 16. So everyone who says about the holy days and Sabbath of God, that that's for the Jews. Huh. What is Christ going to do when he returns? This is why he never did away with the law. See? Nor the Sabbath. Nor the holy days. Because all of those are foundational to God's plan. Okay? Verse 17. And it shall be whoever will not come up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. That's how God will react, and people will know, and they will be told. You don't have rain because you didn't send anyone to represent you in Jerusalem. Now, all people in the world can come to Jerusalem, but every nation has got to have the representatives from those nations come to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. 
Okay. Which the Lord shall strike the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. There it is. Now, all nations. Are these not all Gentile nations? Does it say all Jews who don't come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles? No, 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 no. It says, strike the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be Egypt's punishment and a punishment for all nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay. Now, how about the Sabbath every week? Okay. You know, that's going to be something. Now, let's see how the earth is going to be. Let's come here to Isaiah Isaiah 24, and let's see the mess that we're going to have to clean up. And though we're going to rule with Christ and serve all the people and teach them, the whole world needs to be restored. And this will begin the greatest building and rebuilding project in the world. Because he says right here, Isaiah 24, let us read it, verse 1. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste, and turns it upside down and scatters its inhabitants. And as it was with the people, so shall it be with the priest, as with the slave, so with the master, as with the handmaid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor, the earth shall be completely laid waste and utterly stripped, for the Lord has spoken this word. So it's going to be completely devastated. Now verse 4. The earth mourns and languishes, the world withers and languishes, the proud of the people of the earth wither, and the earth is defiled under his people because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, and have broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth. Question, why do the Protestants insist that the laws and commandments of God have been done away? And those prophets are the leading ones to set the stage for all of this to be done, because that's what they said. I saw a Protestant minister online the other night. He did a good job in telling people that they need to repent and so forth, but he never said anything about keeping the laws and commandments of God. So when you bring a message, if you're a minister or elder, and you only bring half of it, or you only bring 60% of it, 
or you only bring 70% of it, you're missing the whole point. Okay? Look what it's look what it's doing to to the earth and what causes all these things to take place. All right? Now let's come to Psalm 46. We're going to read some things in Psalm and these become important for us to understand. Psalm 46, verse 6. Okay? Because here's how the world is going to be, and God has to stop it all. And all of the saints will be there to help stop it. And we will fight, and we will win. And the people will come to repentance and know that this is of God. Verse 6, Psalm 46. The nations raged, the kingdoms were shaken. He uttered his voice, the, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. So all that happened just like we read in Isaiah 24. So here, let's read on and see what happens. And remember, in all of these things that we're going to cover from now on, every single one of us will be part of that. And we will have responsibilities to do. And we will have things we need to teach. And we will have people that need to be healed. And we will have those who need to come to repentance from their sins. And we will help them do that. Okay? Now, verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who makes desolations upon the earth, who makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. You must get rid of war. You must get rid of all of the weapons. You must get rid of all the ammunition. And human nature must be changed. Like it says there in Ezekiel 36, that God will give them a heart of flesh to replace the rebellious heart. And that will help lead them to repentance. So it says here, who makes wars to cease, to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. It cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. No talking back to God about this. Oh, well, that was my favorite sword. I use that in battle. Sorry about that, fellow. Got to get rid of it. And take what's going to happen to all the guns. Hmm? I mean, there has got to be a giant, gargantuan cleanup of the way that men have armed themselves to the teeth. So here's the message that will be. Be still and know that I am the Lord. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. 
ready to start the millennium. That's quite a thing, okay? Come over here to Psalm 45, and let's see how then God makes us a part of this. Everything you have thought about, when you watch the news and you see all the things happening, and you wonder, well, why can't they get it right? Well, the answer is they're blinded by Satan the devil. Their desires are not to do good, even if it's right in front of their face. Because that is complete rebellion. Okay? Now, Psalm 45, let's begin here in verse 1. My heart overflows with a godly matter. I will speak of my works to the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are more excellent than the children of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, almighty one, with your glory and your majesty, and ride victoriously in your majesty in behalf of truth. See? This is the victory. The victory of truth and meekness and righteousness. Now that's something. And that's going to be for all people. Okay? And let your right hand teach your awesome things. So we're all going to learn. And the world is going to learn. Everything that mankind has deep in his heart about wanting everything right and everything holy and everything good, but never, never, never finding the way to accomplish it. It will be done during the millennium. Okay? Your hours are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of justice is the scepter of your kingdom. There it is again, the kingdom of God. And we will bring that to the earth. You love righteousness and hate iniquity. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Quite a thing indeed. See, so when Christ returns and the saints are there with him, we'll put away all the wars. We'll help people come to find out what they need to do, what they need to have done to them in the way of helping them, healing them, teaching them, bringing them the knowledge of God, and telling them God rules from Jerusalem. And we are here as his sons and his daughters to teach you and to help you and to show you what you need to do. So that's how 
the millennium begins. Well, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll see the rest of the story for day two. Now let's continue on with the rebuilding of the world at the beginning of the millennium with Christ as king and all the patriarchs and all the saints. And we all have a great work to do. And the most important thing that is in our lives right now is that we develop the character of righteousness and truth and love and service and meekness. Why? Because look at all of the leaders of the world. Why is the world in the mess that it is in? Because all of the rulers are seeking to do their own will, exercise their own power, dominate over other people, and not teach them the truth the way that it should be. Now, let's come to Psalm 47. Let's see what it's going to be like. There's going to be happiness. There's going to be joy. There's going to be righteousness. There's going to be right teaching. There's going to be great production. There's going to be every good thing that can be imaginable for all people. And salvation and entering into the kingdom of God. That's all going to take place. And remember this. If you think, well, how is that going to be with so many people? Listen, all you have to do is get a good view of space through the web telescope website and see something that the people in the Bible were not able to see. The vastness of the universe that God has made. Remember, God inhabits eternity. And he wants all the sons and daughters and all the nations of the world to have a part in his overall plan, which he hasn't even revealed to us yet. It's going to be about the whole rest of the universe. Now think about that. See, So we need to think big with God's help of how marvelous that his plan and that everything is, but it can only work with love and righteousness and truth. That's why all wars need to cease. Now, Psalm 47, let's pick it up there. Clap your hands, all. Now, whenever you have all or let, or may, or if. Circle those. Because all of that's important for you to understand what God is doing. 
Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Everywhere on earth. Think about that. He shall subdue the people under us. That's the saints. And we will teach them and help them come to conversion so that they could have husband and wife, great marriages, wonderful children, knowledge and education that puts to shame the knowledge and education that's being taught children today. And right now, it's all satanic. He shall subdue the people under us and nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. Selah. Now, Selah means stop and meditate on it. You know, sometimes we get so busy or we get so down in a trial that we're going through that we don't take time to think about things in the long term and what God is doing. God is going to help us. God is going to lead us. God is going to bring us to what he wants us to be, however that may be. And in some cases, there may be suffering. There may be deprivation. There may be physical ailments. But all of those things are to bring us to God so that we can be in the kingdom of God to help the rest of the people during the millennium come to understand God and be converted, okay? All right. Verse 5. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with a shout of a horn. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Who? Four times. We're going to have a lot of singing? <laughs> yes, indeed. A lot, a lot of singing, okay? For God is king of all the earth. There it is repeated. Sing praises with understanding. Now, that's something. That's quite a thing. Think about it today. Most music today is idiot music or rebellion tribal music. Not with understanding, not to glorify God, but to preach this world and Satan's values. King over all the earth, okay. Now verse 8, God reigns over the nations. So he's king over all the earth, and he's going to be responsible and make everything work. And we have a part in that, okay. God sits upon the throne of his holiness. The rulers of the people are gathered together. That's us. We'll be ruling the people in love and truth and righteousness and the knowledge of God with the power of his Holy Spirit and how much ever more God is going to 
reveal in what he wants us to learn and know. And we will probably find out that that is going to be so much that the Bible will be like the introductory handbook. Okay? The rulers of the people are gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth are God's. He is greatly exalted. Okay? Now, that is quite a thing. Think about all of that that God's going to do. Let's come to Isaiah 2. Now, Isaiah is a very interesting book. The prophecies are scattered and mixed in in such a way that it's hard for people to understand it. And it will talk about one thing, which is reflective of one time period, and right after it, he will talk about something else reflecting another time period. And so this shows that many parts of the Bible are not written in chronological sequences as other parts of the Bible and other writings of men. Okay? So let's come here to Isaiah 2. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now that's interesting. He heard it, and he saw it. Okay? That's interesting. The words that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now remember, in Daniel 10.21, it says that in heaven there is the book or the scroll of truth, already written out. Now, how much more does that contain than we understand today? We don't know. But brethren, the greatest and most important things are going to happen after the resurrection. All right? Verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted in the top of the mountains and all mountains picture nations and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations. There it is again, that word again. All, all nations. They're all going to be connected to Jerusalem. All connected to God all connected to his throne, all connected to his plan. All nations shall flow into it. Now notice what people are going to say right at first. Okay. And many people shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us. See? All human beings through their whole lives are meant to be taught. And that's why developing the character of God in the mind of Christ is a process of time. 
And it's a holy exercise with God's Spirit through his word and through our daily living. And likewise, it will be in a glorious way among all the people during the millennium because Satan won't be there. We will be there. Think of that. We are going to replace all of the demonic things that have gone on, get rid of them and teach the truth. That will be amazing indeed. He will teach them of his ways, and we will walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Huh. Everything from God. Now we see what's missing in the world today. Now we know why it's in the mess that it is in. And God has a solution right here in his word. That involves every one of us. Okay. And he shall judge among the nations and rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. That's how he's going to cease wars existing. Teach people the love and the truth of God. Okay? So that's quite a thing. Quite a thing. Now it says the same thing here in the book of Micah. Because Micah was also a prophet at the same time that Isaiah was. Okay? So let's go to Micah, the fourth chapter, and let's see how this is also brought out and expanded. Okay? Because this is going to be an important event happening all the time. All representatives of all nations, which will be us, and then we bring that back to the people so they know the way of God, so they understand how to live, so that they can qualify to enter into the spirit family of God. See, because they will all be part of the physical family of God, and all of the sons and daughters of of Christ through God the Father at the first resurrection we will be the spiritual sons and daughters of God. Okay? Now here, Micah 4. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall say, see, so this shows what? This shows the word goes out, and the nations have an opportunity to choose. What are they going to do? Are they going to come to God and find out what they need to do? And are they willing to come under the authority of the sons and daughters of God to rule and reign in that nation? And subsequently, then, everybody in that nation will learn the way of God? Okay. 
Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Okay? And he shall judge. Now, we're going to talk about judgment during this Feast of Tabernacles because that's one of the most important things that we will be doing. We will be judging people. We will be teaching them. Okay? He shall judge among many people and will rebuke strong nations afar off. See? There's not going to be any more rebellion. If there is, as we saw in Zechariah 14, no rain, meaning no crop, meaning no food. Now, it doesn't take very long for people to understand what they need to do when that occurs, right? Judge among many people and rebuke strong nations who are far off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. So that's something. But they shall sit. Each one under his own vine and under his own fig tree. And no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Now, when God has spoken, it's as good as done. Think about that for a minute. Now, let's see some other things that they are going to do. Let's come to Isaiah again. Let's come to chapter 12. Verse 1, and here's what's going to happen. Everyone's going to be thanking God every day. Everyone is going to be under our direction and control. They'll still have free moral agency, but they must choose and they must decide what to do and to choose God's way. And even though they'll have human nature, not quite as evil as we have it today, but it will be enough, there will be enough pull back that they're going to have to make the choices every day what they're going to do. Because they will have to overcome human nature in the same way that we overcome human nature. And we will be there to teach them. So it's going to be a glorious thing indeed. And in that day you shall say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you do comfort me. Okay? All the nations will go through that. Every person will experience that. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Now notice, the individual, it's not just to masses, but in the masses of people, we all deal individually. And God does, and we will. 
Okay. And with joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now that's that's quite a thing, isn't it, huh? Living waters of life, we've heard of that. Well, there's the well of salvation. Remember in John the fourth chapter when Jesus went to the well near Samaria and a woman came out to draw water and he said to her, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. Okay? And she didn't understand it, of course. Okay? But here's the answer here, see? You shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. Oh, that, that's a fantastic statement, isn't it? Yes, indeed. And in that day you shall say, Praise the Lord God upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord. See? Isn't that something? Think of this. Instead of all the anger and wretchedness in the music today, we're going to sing praises to God. We're going to sing great and marvelous songs. And we are going to be filled with joy. The people will be filled with joy. And like it says, and of his peace, there is no end. All right? Sing to the Lord, for he is done graciously. This is known in all the earth. Think about the communication we're going to have in all the earth during the millennium. It'll probably make this digital communication that we have today seem like tinker toys. Cry aloud and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Whew. Boy, aren't those great things to think about, all right? Now let's see what that's going to produce. Come here to chapter 11. How's it going to be? All right? Chapter 11. This is one of the millennial chapters. How it's going to be. Verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its root, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. Okay? That's how Christ is going to operate. And that's how we're going to operate. So this will be the most marvelous thing ever. Verse 3. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge according to the sight of his eyes, nor after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness. Now, he's going to give that right, that righteousness and judgment to us. See? Notice. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. Now, that's what we're going to do, because judgment will be given 
to the saints of the Most High. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked, that is, if they don't repent. Okay. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Okay. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Because everything God is going to do is going to be perfect. Now also, there's going to be a change in the environment. There's going to be a change in animals. And we don't know how that's going to be. But I know one thing. No more toys of war. Huh? No more guns. No more swords. No more killings. Now, and the children will be taught correctly. So let's read this. Let's see how it's going to be with the children. Okay. Verse 6. Also the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Now that's a complete change. Right? Yes, now think about that. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the cub lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. What a thing that's going to be. Now, children will not need plastic toys. They will have animals. They will lead them. They will be gentle. The animals will be tame, be loving. And a cow and a bear shall feed together. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Now that's going to be something to behold, you know. I can't imagine how that's going to be. Look at lions today and their roar and their fierceness and their teeth and how they come after their prey and take them down and kill them and stick their faces right in the, into the guts of the prey that they bring down. Going to eat straw. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. Now, I can't figure that out myself. You know, I don't know myself. I'm one of those that I don't like any snakes at all, okay? But here, the whole nature of it's going to be changed. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the viper's den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Wonderful thing, yes. No crime, no wild animal, okay? No catastrophes. 
Here's why. Now, I want you to think on this. And this brings out what our responsibility will be in teaching people. Okay? Here it is. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, when we understand that, that tells us that the greatest knowledge of God is going to be freely available to everyone. And we learn it so we can teach the people. This is why we keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So we can keep our mind on what it's going to be like to rule and reign with Christ. What it's going to be like to teach the people. What it's going to be like to teach them all the ways of God. See? Let's read that again. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be the root of Jesse standing as a banner for the people. To him the nations shall seek, and his rest shall be glorious. An amazing thing. I mean, some of these verses that we find here are just absolutely out of sight. Okay. Now let's come to Isaiah 14. Let's see how this, all of this is going to be put into practice. Eh? Isaiah 14, verse 1. For the Lord will have mercy upon Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land and the strangers shall be joined with them and they shall cling to the house of Jacob. And the people shall take them and bring them to their place, and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaidens, and they will take them captive whose captives they were and rule over their oppressors. Okay? Going to turn everything around. Verse 3, And it shall come to pass in that day, that the Lord shall give you rest from your sorrow, from your fear, and from your hard bondage, which was imposed upon you. And you shall take up this song, again singing, against the king of Babylon, Satan the devil, and say, how the oppressor has ceased, how his fury has ceased, for the Lord has broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers who struck people in wrath and with unceasing blows and ruling nations in anger with an unrelenting persecution. Going to be changed. Verse 7 says this, All the earth is at rest and is quiet. They break out into singing. Okay? So there it is. 
There are some other things that we're going to find, other things we're going to do, okay, concerning the millennium and concerning what God is going to do. Now let's come to Isaiah 61, and we'll finish here. Isaiah 61, because it talks about us, and it talks about what we will be doing. Okay? Let's pick it up here in verse 6. Okay? This is what we will do. It says we will, in Revelation 20, we will be kings and priests, and judgment will be given to us. Now notice what it says here in Isaiah 61 in verse 6. But you shall be called the priest of the Lord. It will be said of you, the ministers of our God, and you will eat the riches of the Gentiles, and you will boast in their glory because of the conversion, because of how they're going to develop. For your shame, you will have double instead of dishonor. You will rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their own land, they will possess double. Everlasting joy will be theirs. Now, let's take a couple of more verses here, and we'll finish for today. For I, the Lord, love justice. That's what we're going to bring. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. So God is going to be directing us all the time with his truth. Amazing, isn't it? And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them will acknowledge them that they are the seed that the Lord has blessed. Now let's continue on in verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the robes of salvation. That's us giving us salvation, the robes of salvation. I wonder what that's like. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom adorns himself with ointments, and like a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For the earth brings forth its bud, as a garden causes that which is sown to grow. So there's going to be the growth of people, the growth of understanding, the growth of knowledge. So the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to grow before all nations. Now, think of that for a thousand years, which tells us that God's plan is magnificent and awesome indeed. And everything that we are learning now is important for us as we come toward the first resurrection and the return of Christ. 
And then all of these prophecies, every word of God will be fulfilled the way that he desires. So brethren, enjoy this Feast of Tabernacles. Think about what it means for each one of us individually. Think about what it means for the nations of the world and all people to bring peace and joy and happiness through God to them so that they can fulfill their purpose for their life and enter into the kingdom of God. So see you tomorrow.